All right, so hey everybody, it's Brian uh, with Harvest Community Church or HarvestChurchEugene.com. And um, man, am I thankful to have you worshiping with us today. And so there's just a couple of things uh, that I want to highlight for you uh, as we begin a new month. Um, as always, uh, new months mean new Bible bookmarks. We're in our Bible reading plan, and you can find those Bible bookmarks on our website. We would love um, to have you read along in Scripture with us. That website's harvestchurcheugene.com. Of course, we'd also love it if you'd fill out a digital communication card. You probably know the drill and the routine by now, but we ask everyone every single week to fill out a digital communication card because we really want to know how we can serve you on the spiritual journey. And we want to know what's next for you. And we want you thinking about those next steps. And then also, we want to know how we can pray for you. And so if you'd fill out that digital communication card, you can find the links on YouTube and on Facebook. Just fill that out and let us know. Of course, if you're on YouTube and Facebook, we'd love for you, if you're watching at 9 a.m. on Sundays, to go online, say hello, and uh, just interact with us a little bit. Let us know that you're watching. And if you're a guest today, we'd love it if you'd fill out a digital communication card as well. You may know this, you may have watched once or twice before, but every time guests fill out that digital communication card, we give $5 in your name and each of your family members' names to our partners at Monroe Middle School. They're a middle school right here in our neighborhood that has a fund that supports families in crisis. And we think it's a great way to support families right in our neighborhood, but it's also a great way to honor that you're sharing that information with us. We consider it a privilege. We would love the chance to begin to get to know you. Of course, we're not going to show up at your house or do anything crazy, but we would love to just introduce ourselves. One last thing I want to mention uh, in the links on YouTube and Facebook, you'll notice our links for giving. Of course, if you're a guest, we're not asking that of you. But those of us who consider Harvest our home, we gladly take on that responsibility. When you give, it makes a world of difference. Literally, it sends the gospel uh, around our community and around our world. And we're so thankful for your gifts. And so would you consider uh, doing that if Harvest is your home? That's something uh, that we're certainly thankful for when you do. Can we pray today? Jesus, I thank you today for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And Jesus, I ask today that as we soak our lives in your scripture, as we soak our lives in the word of God, and as we soak the word into our souls, I pray that we would be immersed in all you would desire for us so that we would be able to really hear your voice. And so Jesus, speak to our Speak to our souls today. Speak to our lives today. Speak to all that is unhealthy in our lives today as we talk about how to experience a soul detox. Jesus, work in our hearts now. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So here's the thing. We began several weeks ago a series called Soul Detox. And you might remember last week that we were talking about how to detox hurry in our lives. And I got to be honest with you. I hurried through that message maybe a little too much. I hurried a little bit too much last week writing that message. And something I certainly knew is that I had more than one message's worth of content. And so today I want to slow down a little bit. And I want to share with you how to detox the hurry in our lives and what hearing God's voice has to do with that. Certainly toxic behavior is terrible. We recognize it easier in other people than we do in ourselves. It's behavior that is self-centered and self-seeking, narcissistic even. It's behavior that is controlling and manipulative. It's behavior that is destructive and harmful. And hurry, of course, can be toxic 
because of what we sacrifice in the name of time. Last week, we said that busyness is the enemy of spiritual growth. Man, does that hit me between the eyes because I feel busier and busier these days. And yet busy is an enemy of spiritual growth because we rush and we hurry. And in doing so, it fans the flame of the toxic in our lives. It's like we need to learn to slow the literal ticking of time. Of course, I know the answer to that, and you might too. I'll just share it with you. How do we slow the ticking of time? Seriously, there's an answer to that. Planks. You ever do a plank, you know, where you're down on the ground, you're, you're holding the whole body off the ground, you're resting on your arms and your tiptoes, and you're doing a plank? Slows time. Two minutes will never seem so long in your life than when you're planking. Now, all of that said, we were looking last week at a story in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 10. If you have a Bible, please turn there with me. A story about a family, a sister, a couple of sisters actually, Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. And I love this story, and we're going to go back to it today. And one of the keys we said to slowing our lives last week was recognizing this recognition that hearing God's voice sometimes requires us to stop doing things, to cease activity. And at other times, hearing God's voice sometimes requires us to join God in activity, to do something in the name of God. And I want to expand today on on that sense of hearing God's voice. And how do we hear God's voice when we're rushed and hurried and we're dealing with hurry sickness in our souls? Luke chapter 10, verse 38 is such a great example of this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, to Jesus, and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What a powerful story. You've just got a glimpse into ancient family life, and you've got a glimpse into these two sisters who, at least one of them, squabbling, angry, irritated, having inner turmoil, wanting to intimidate her sister. That's toxic. But let's be honest, you've been there and I've been there. Because when we're in a hurry in our lives, everything around us seems slow except what's inside of us, which is in a hurry. And so that makes us driven. It makes us, as it described Martha here, distracted, sometimes demeaning, even demanding. Certainly that characterized her behavior. And I'll add to this that modern life is filled with a conspiracy for hurry. That modern life really is a conspiracy of hurry. That it pushes us to hurry. It rewards us for hurry. It convinces us that if you are not in a hurry, something is wrong. And this modern pace of life is toxic for our relationships. Toxic 
for our souls. I love that at the end of the story, Jesus says to Martha, he says, look, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. And so Jesus has me on the edge of the seat, wanting him to fill in the blank. Jesus, what is the one thing that is necessary? Could you just, could you just fill in the blank for us? One thing. What is that one thing? Jesus, why didn't you just tell us what that one thing is? Maybe he didn't define it precisely because that one thing, while, while I think we have a handle on it, and I will share what I think it is with you today, maybe it applies contextually different in different situations. Maybe he didn't specify because what applies over here won't apply is simply over there. Maybe Jesus likes to teach by being slightly vague sometimes because it makes us think and ponder and chew on what he meant so that we'll even more so want to listen to the voice of Jesus. Well, that gives me what I think he's getting at. And the one thing, don't just confuse my one thing with his one thing. But the one thing I want to convince you of today, the the one thing that today's message is about is this concept, that when I'm hurried and rushed, that when you're hurried and rushed, hearing God's voice will mean making time for the maker of time. Hearing God's voice when I'm rushed, when I'm hurried, when, when I'm distracted, when I'm demanding, When I'm all of those things, hearing God's voice really speak to my soul, it will demand of me that I slow. It will demand of me that I hush all of the noise. It will demand of me that I make time for what the maker of time will say to me in my circumstances. Another way of saying that is that I think that Jesus moments, that God moments, you know, those moments in life where where Jesus just bumps into a situation and it's unmistakable that there is something in the context or something in the circumstances that he is speaking into, that there's something that he is just, you just, you just, you just sense it in your spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus just moves inside of you. I believe that those Jesus moments, those God moments, that they are far more common. Or at least God desires for them to be far more common than you and I usually experience. And the problem is not on His end speaking. The problem is on our end Listening. Now, this probably goes without saying, but the best way to hear God's voice consistently is to be in my Bible. It's why someone wiser than me said, you know what, I need accountability with that, like Bible before breakfast, right? That the Bible comes before food in my life, right? That I feed my soul before I feed my belly. The bottom line is that I will sense those Jesus moments more often when I am in the Word 
than when I am not in the Word. And we often let modern hurry rush us to the point where we feel like, I don't have time for the Word. Or we read it, and we're going to read a verse or two, or we're going to read a chapter, and we're just, we're just flying through it so we can say we did, but we're not really slowing to listen. One of the things Mary did right, and Jesus affirmed this, is that she was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. She has chosen what is better. Mary, in her stillness, needed to hear from Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that she did, and I'll explain why in a bit. But Martha, in her servanthood, also needed to hear from Jesus. Sometimes we hear the voice of Jesus when we are still. And sometimes we hear the voice of Jesus when we are serving, when we are active. And some of the spiritual disciplines are disciplines of stilling ourselves, of ceasing, of stopping activity. And some of the spiritual disciplines are disciplines of giving, of generosity, of servanthood, of sacrifice. Jesus didn't tell Martha to stop serving and come over and listen. He just spoke to her in her servanthood. In fact, Jesus didn't tell Martha to stop serving. He told her to stop complaining. To stop focusing on others and hear what he was saying to her. Yes, Mary was making time for the maker of time, but it was possible for Martha in her servanthood to make time for the maker of time. And she wasn't listening. How do I know that? Because she was demanding that Jesus listen to her. And man, am I so often like that. I need to recognize that I have both a Mary nature and a Martha nature. That inside of me is a nature that needs rest. And inside of me, that needs there's a nature that needs the activity of God. So I need the rest of God in some part of my soul. And I need the activity of God, of joining in on the activity of God in some part of my soul. And some of us, by personality, lean a little more towards the restful side. And some of us, by personality, lean a little more towards the active side. And the question you often need to ask yourself is, what does my soul need in this rushed moment right now? And sometimes what your soul will need will be to cease, to stop, to Sabbath, if you will. And sometimes what you will need to hear the voice of God is to serve, to be active, to join Him in doing something specific. I would remind us that this story about Mary and Martha, true, I use the word story all the time, but this, this, this little telling of their story and their home and what happens there follows the teaching of Jesus And what we call the parable of the Good Samaritan, where to do the right thing required actively loving a neighbor, required sacrifice, required activity. Some spiritual disciplines require me to stop doing things. And some spiritual disciplines ask of me to very much do some things. So which is it your soul needs right now? Well, one of the ways to sort of discern that by personality is to ask which of these two ladies you identify with more. Do you identify more with Mary 
Or do you identify more with Martha? If you think Mary was right, then you probably fairly naturally lean towards the stopping disciplines that you may need to look at what you need to start doing to hear God's voice because it comes very natural to you to rest. Others of us very much identify with Martha. In fact, if you think that Martha had more than a fair point, I would join you in that. Because more than not, I tend to be active, busy. And sometimes I can confuse that busyness with spirituality or that busyness with hearing God's voice. And, and well, like Martha, sometimes what I need to do to hear God's voice might be to stop doing something or at least to change my attitude while I'm doing what I'm doing. It's why God designed spiritual growth pathways in both directions. Pathways that involve ceasing from activity and pathways that involve sacrificing in activity. Either way, I have to learn to make time for the maker of time. And there's a way to do that when I'm peaceful and resting, and there is a way to do that when I am active and serving. So how do we overcome our hurried, distracted living? You and I, how do I overcome my hurried, distracted heart? Because at the end of the day, this story and what went wrong for Martha isn't about what she was doing in the sense of servanthood. It was about the heart, the attitude she was doing it with. Which leads me to this concept. Number one, I've got four lessons for us today. Lesson number one, I need to believe that my distractions aren't rooted in my to-do list, but instead, but rather, my distractions are rooted in my preoccupation with other people and myself. That my distractedness from hearing the voice of God isn't because of my to-do list. Do I have one? Yes. Do you have one? Yes. In fact, if you're listening right now and your brain's wandering a little bit, you might be taking some notes. And over off on the side, you might be making a little to-do list. I get that. I do that sometimes when I'm listening. But the to-do list is not the problem. The problem in the distraction, in the demeaning, in the demanding heart when I'm hurried and rushed, the problem is that I am preoccupied. Let's be honest. When I'm demanding of others, I'm preoccupied with them. And more than anything, I'm preoccupied with myself. It's, it's, it's when this, this sense in my life, this preoccupation is rooted in the comparisons that happen in my heart. When I'm thinking about someone else and what they need to do compared to what I'm doing. It's when the struggle to control others begins to work its way out into my mouth and my tongue and my fingertips. It's rooted in my insecurities that wants others not only to do what I want, but wants Jesus demands that Jesus do what I want and make others do what I want. You see, Mary, in this great 
story was occupied with Jesus. And Martha was, if you think about it, preoccupied quite a bit with her sister. And if you go even deeper, Martha was preoccupied with herself. And the problem, and we've said this, is not servanthood versus worship. It's not a way to serve God problem. It's a heart problem. A heart that is overwhelmed, that is busy, that is hurried, that is distracting, that is demanding. Listen to Martha's words, verse 40. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. (laughs) Yeah, I sound just like that all the time. Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do all the serving. (coughs) All the serving. She's left me to do it all by myself. Poor Poor me. Sometimes, to grow in my spiritual walk, I need to do what Mary's doing and isolate at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes, to grow in my spiritual walk, I need to do the activity that the servanthood that Martha is doing, but I need to do it with a right heart. A heart that isn't consumed with others and a heart that isn't even consumed with myself. But a heart that is consumed with Jesus and what He would do in my circumstance. Second lesson for us in this wonderful Story that is such a mirror of our busy lives. Second lesson. I need to release control that I never really had. I need to release control. I need to let it go of the idea that I was in control. Because let's be honest. I am not in control of the universe. I am not in control of other people. In fact, I'm rarely really in control of myself because it doesn't take much for my tongue to go in a direction it shouldn't go. It doesn't take much for my brain to go in a direction it shouldn't go. You know what I mean, right? So I need to release control that I never really had. If I'm going to hear the voice of Jesus in my life, then it means that I am recognizing that I need to be under the Lordship of Christ rather than trying to be the Lord or trying to be in the place of Christ in other people's lives. Another way of saying this is that I need to stop trying to remake the people I care about or the people I'm upset with. I need to stop trying to remake them in my image. I recognize that I am not God, and they are not God, and I am not in control. Now, this doesn't mean that there isn't a place for leadership. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for parenting. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for management. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for influence. But it does mean at the end of the day that that leadership that's done Jesus' way is servant leadership, not controlling leadership. Does that make sense? In fact, if you think about it, Jesus was often giving of free will. 
I can't think of a situation where Jesus was demanding control. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha was trying to make Mary do exactly what she wanted. Now, let me say this a different way. Martha was trying to turn Mary into Martha. Does that make sense? Martha was trying to turn Mary into Martha. She needed to do what Martha was doing because Martha was doing the right thing. And man, how often do we do that with other people, especially when we're rushed and in a hurry? There's this great verse in Proverbs that speaks to parents, and it says, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. That means at the end of the day with my kids that I'm supposed to help them discern their pathway forward, their way of following Jesus, their way of responding to God in their life, not mold them and make them in my image. Now, to be fair, we also need to stop trying to make Mary's into Martha's and Martha's into Mary's. Because often, through our self-oriented lens, what you and I do is we go, well, everyone should be a bit like me. Really? Because I thought everyone should be like, well, like Jesus. And if you think about control in the Bible, where, where there's really a sense of trying to control others, it shows up in Scripture. Where there's a manipulation in control of others, when we read of that in Scripture, we read of it in the demonic, where demons are taking control. And if you read of people being filled, not with the demonic, but filled with the Spirit of God, what we find is that that Spirit of God leads us to be under control. That Spirit of God leads us to be, the Holy Spirit leads us to be self-controlled but not possessed by others. I need to release a control that I never really had. Number three, you say, how do I release control? When I'm, when I'm all amped up and I'm in a hurry and I just, I need everybody else to do what I need them to do. What do I do? How do I release control? Because I know this experience. I've been there. What do I do? How do I release control? Number three, I need to accept my humanity and embrace his divinity. Accept my humanity, embrace his divinity. Listen to how this continues on. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. She addressed him as Lord, right? Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me to do the work by myself? She needed a correction in her corrective attitude. She's trying to correct her sister, and in doing so, she corrects Jesus. Jesus, you're doing the wrong thing because you're not telling my sister what to do. And what she receives from Jesus is a correction of her controlling attitude, a correction of her distracted attitude, her demeaning attitude, her demanding attitude. If you think about it, there's a connection between hurry and pride. It's why a couple of weeks ago we dealt with detoxing our pride, because pride is what root works its way into everything else and becomes toxic. And when I'm hurried, I am 
prideful, that I must get everything done, that the world is dependent on me doing everything that has to be done, that I must be busy to be important, that I don't have enough time because I have important stuff to do. Do you hear the I, 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 I? It's a heart problem, and therefore it needs a heart solution, period. And that heart solution is to admit that I am not God, that I am finite, that I am human. And this means that, well, it means that the world doesn't completely revolve around me. It, it means that I could stop and the world would keep being in God's hands he can handle it god doesn't need me as his sort of junior deputy helping out that god's got a handle on the world all his own and you look around the world and see it falling apart and you think i'm not sure of that i'm gonna be honest you and i we just gotta stop playing god because when we do we just muck it up we just mess it up The world's got enough problems without me trying to put my hands into all of it. There's a lot of letting go that needs to happen. And the sure tail sign that I'm crossing into the toxic is when I'm frustrated with everyone else around me because they're not doing what I demand that they do. Again, she's not only demanding Martha something of her sister, She's demanding something of Jesus. And when I experience that in my life, I need to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to resign. I, I, I resign. I resign trying to be like the general manager of the universe. God's got that job down just fine. I resign. Being in control of everything. I resign from having the entire world on my shoulders. Now, again, that doesn't mean that there aren't times to serve. It doesn't mean there aren't times to rest. It just means that we start to get better at, at vacating what we're supposed to vacate, of resting when we're supposed to rest, it's slowing when we're supposed to slow. Remember, God's rhythm's one in seven. One in seven days to stop, to worship, requires of me to admit my humanity. And that humbles me, begins to remove pride from the equation. One last thing I've got for you, number four. Number four, I need to look and listen for Jesus moments so that I can be available and adjust to them. If I'm going to hear the voice of God in my life, if I'm a Mary and I'm good at resting and I need to learn to be a little more active in my serving, if I'm a Martha and I'm good at serving, but I need to be a little more active in my resting, notice the sort of irony in those words, but if I need to be better at, at, at ceasing activity, if I'm really going to hear the voice of God, then man, yeah, I need to do these things we've talked about, right? I need to know that 
My, my distractions are rooted in a heart problem, a preoccupation, not with God, but with the wrong things, with other people and myself. I need to release that control that I never really had. I need to accept that I'm human, admit my humanity. Even more so, I need to embrace his divinity, that I need Jesus to be God over my life and my world. And that puts me in the mental place where whether I am resting or I am active, that I can look and listen for Jesus moments, that I can look and pay attention, that I can tune in for Jesus moments so that when they happen, I can be available to them and I can adjust to them. I can bend. I can speak into them. I can listen into them. I can adjust to what Jesus is doing and Jesus is saying. In a lot of senses, what I'm saying is I need to look and listen for the God interruptions in my life. The problem is that I'm usually so busy that I miss them. Wouldn't you find that to be true in your world? You know, those moments, they happen just like that. Just like that. You can miss them in a second. I'm in this you know, weird sort of stage in life as the kids are growing up where, where I realize that the moments are fleeting and they go so fast. But Jesus moments, God moments can be here and gone and it just a heartbeat. One day a long time ago, quite a number of years ago, we were out hiking with the family and uh, we were driving actually to the place where we were hiking and somewhere between Eugene and the coast. And we were off on this dirt road and I couldn't believe what my eyes saw, but it lasted just for a moment. If you blinked, you'd miss it. What did we see? A mountain lion, a cougar, like, like 50 yards in front of the car. Just wide road, bound into the road, bound across the road, bound off the road. Just boom, 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 gone, done. If you blinked, you missed it. It was really, really cool. Now, the reason it was really, really cool is because we weren't hiking in the moment, right? We weren't uh, on top of the mountain lion in nature, right? We were in the car. We were going to the place where we were hiking. But very, very cool and very, very rare, at least to me, in my experience, to see a cougar, a mountain lion, while, while exploring nature. Moments with Jesus speaking can come and go just like that if we're not paying attention. That it can happen so routinely and so fast where, where those divine appointments are waiting for us. But if we're not tuned in, if we're not looking and listening, they won't happen. And I need to have this relationship with Jesus where he talks and I listen. Where he talks and I adjust. Where he talks and I change. And as he adjusts me, I adjust with him where I'm looking for it, where I'm listening for it. Let me say it another way, where I'm hungry for it rather than hungry for getting done what I want done. It can happen in a blink. You have to look, you have to listen, you have to tune in. 
And once you're tuned in and Jesus begins, the spirit of Jesus begins to speak in you or you're reading your Bible and Jesus speaks into you and for whatever reason you're in church and Jesus speaks into something, you have to have a willingness to say, okay, I will be available to that. I will lean in. Sometimes that leaning in means to stop, cease. And sometimes that leaning in means to step up and serve. Whether you are Mary or Martha, you can learn the lesson of hearing God's voice. That faith trains my soul to be fully present so I can experience God moments. You know what it means to be present but not fully present, right? You know, like when your spouse or your significant person is talking, your friend is talking, or someone at work is talking, and they're talking and you're just doing this on your phone. Uh Uh-huh. 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 And they're like, would you give me $3 million? And you're like, uh-huh. Yeah. It goes just like that. With Jesus, man, we would hear him far more in our ceasing and far more in our serving, in our activity, if we were looking and listening. And if we had a spirit that was willing to let him be Lord, a spirit willing to be available and to adjust to what he is doing. Martha, Martha, he said, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Right? (laughs) Few things are needed, and indeed, only one, really. And Mary has chosen what is better, And it will not be taken away from her. I I guess I would have you ask this question. Did Mary learn what she needed to learn that day? Did she hear it? Did Martha hear what she needed to hear that day? We actually know the answer. This is one of the cool things about the Bible. When you begin to get to know people in these stories, you begin to realize they show up more than once. Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus show up several times. And after Lazarus has died and Jesus has brought him back to life, there's this great story in John 12. And I just want to read very quickly it to you. It says, six days before the Passover. So this is, this is <laughs> we're starting to count down hours until the crucifixion, right? Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served. Interesting. Martha served. Notice it doesn't say Martha complained. Just that Martha served. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, and then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this is one of the secrets to what Mary's got figured out that you and I don't. Mary is always found at the feet of Jesus when she shows up. She poured it on Jesus' feet. She wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected and said, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And I did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. John says, you see, as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Man, don't you think that 
Jesus knew what was going on. He allowed it to happen. Don't you think every time (laughs) that that was Judas reaching into the money bag, if he had just listened to the voice of Jesus, if he had just listened... Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me, verse 8 says. This is remarkable. What it's saying is that Martha and Mary both got what Jesus was saying, that in their own ways they needed to serve Jesus. In their own ways they needed to be willing to listen to the voice of Jesus You say, did Martha get it? Well, here we find the same circumstances, but she's serving right-hearted without complaining, best we can tell. I think she got it. You say, did Mary get it? Well, what did Mary get? I want you to think about what this is saying. It's saying clearly that Mary was anointing Jesus for his death. Now, how many of the other followers of Jesus... Let me ask this more specifically. How many of the men followers of Jesus got it and believed that Jesus was going to die? And by the time this moment was coming around, they were ready for Jesus to die? How many of the men? You're right. But Mary got it. And why did she get it? Why did Mary know that Jesus was going to die? I would suggest it's because she often made time to sit at his feet and listen. Because she made time for the maker of time. That's what you and I need to hear. The one thing that Jesus needs to speak into our souls. May it be. We always end with two prayers. The first is a prayer of Prayer of salvation. Second, a prayer of application. If you need Jesus today, would you pray with me right here, right now, just like this? Say, dear Jesus, I know I need you. Jesus, forgive me for all I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again. Since you're alive, Jesus, I turn to you. I ask you to take over my life. Be my God. Be in charge of me. Speak every day, every day into my soul. Please, Jesus, I pray in your name. Have you prayed just like that? Man, heaven is celebrating, and so are we. Would you let me know? You can let me know on the digital communication card we mentioned earlier. You can let me know by emailing me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. Would you please let me know? The second prayer I pray is always a prayer of application. It's a prayer of discipleship. Many of us prayed a prayer of salvation a number of years ago, sometimes a number of decades ago. And yet we need still to learn this lesson. We need it to be fresh in our souls. So would you pray this with me? If you're a follower of Jesus, man, I dare you to pray this prayer with me. Would you? Dear Jesus, please slow my soul and cut out what's toxic in my heart show me what i need to start doing 
to hear your voice and show me what I need to stop doing to hear your voice. Move in me so that I am preoccupied with you. Jesus, I admit I never really had control. And I surrender it to you to let you be God. Jesus, I admit my humanity. And I confess that I am utterly dependent on your divinity. I commit that I will look and listen for your voice. And when I hear it, I'll be available. I will make myself available. And I will adjust to your voice and your plan. Jesus, in every moment, in all my busyness, help me to make time for you, the maker of time. Jesus, speak into my soul, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I hope you're praying that prayer with us. I hope you're worshiping with us. I've got one more thing I just want to mention today. A few weeks from now on May 23rd, we're going to have a special worship service. Hopefully, you're beginning to feel a little better. I hope that maybe you've had a chance to be vaccinated. As we go through all the pandemic, one of the things we recognize is that some of us still need to be cautious and some of us are okay to gather together and and we love you and we want you to know that whatever you decide, you're an important part of the spiritual family here at Harvest. But on May 23rd, we're having a special day. We're going to have a day of worship. We're going to have a day of baptism, a day with the Lord's Supper. And we're going to focus the whole service that day on just praising God. And so if you'd like to be baptized, man, I would love it if you'd let me know. We'll make plans for it to happen that day, May 23rd. I'd love to talk with you about that. In the meantime, just know this, friends. You, you're loved. Not only by us, oh, but by the maker of time. Of course, I love you too. We'll see you real soon.